Thank you for listening to the Love Your Bod Pod. Before we dive in, just my usual disclaimer that this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and does not substitute individual, professional, medical, or mental health advice. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, Kara Curran-Safelli, and I am a certified holistic health coach. I'm a podcaster. I'm an author. I have a book titled Body Wisdom. It's all about rediscovering your relationship with food, trusting your intuition, and becoming your own health expert. And I really believe each and every one of us has the capacity to be our own health experts. And I really hope through uh, this podcast and everything that I share on my Instagram, and if you do end up reading that book, Um, that you really get to discover that we don't always need all of this external stuff, that we don't always have to go searching outside of ourselves for for the answers on like what to eat and when to eat and how much to eat, that our, our body's already designed to know how to do that if we're listening and we're paying attention. If you're looking for some resources on how to connect more to your body wisdom, uh, episodes two and three are all about it. Um, And they will talk to you a little bit about like why it is that we're always searching for answers outside of ourselves or or why we find it so difficult to become our own health experts. Like I share with you what's blocking and what's stopping you. So if you're interested, go ahead and listen to those last two podcasts. Um, It is the week after Thanksgiving. So I hope you all had a really great holiday and I hope that you were feeling at peace with food and that you were able to be present with your family and that you enjoyed eating all of the things. I hope that the podcast last week of giving you some tips on how to approach the holiday were were really helpful for you. Um, If you didn't listen to that podcast, like the bonus podcast, feel free to listen to it. Even though it's about Thanksgiving, it will also help you with any holiday parties you have or, or with Christmas or Hanukkah that are coming up later this year or Christmaka, as Seth Cohen says from the OC. Uh, shout outs to anyone who remembers that. Um, <laughs> I was planning on recording a solo episode to go out live tomorrow. Um, but my throat has really been bothering me. I don't feel sick. I actually think it's allergies or the poor air quality here in California. My throat's so scratchy and I'm not sure I have it in me to talk for for too much longer so I placed an order for some pho I had plans to go to the grocery store because I just got back from Arizona and our grocery not our grocery our fridge is like basically empty we don't really have any any food fresh food left and I was going to go to the store but I, I just like am feeling pretty depleted and pretty pooped maybe from traveling or or just I don't know the air quality um so I ordered some pho and I'm really excited I haven't had pho in quite a while probably because it's always so warm in California and so it's not really something you want when it's like 90 degrees outside Um, but it is cooling down now and I'm really excited to dig into this veggie noodle soup Um, so yeah that's what I'm doing tonight I'm home alone working by myself which doesn't happen too often I have two roommates my boyfriend and his best friend or one of his best friends Uh, but the house is empty it's just me so I'm kind of excited to stop working uh it's like already 6 p.m for the day and go relax and enjoy a night off to myself I haven't been alone in a really long time um as you know I was like on that trip to Peru with a bunch of my girlfriends which was incredible 
really a life-changing experience. Uh, but I'm kind of excited to just have a relaxing night to myself. So I'm playing, uh, or what you're hearing today is a podcast with Stephanie that I recorded a couple of weeks ago before I went on my trip. And it was set to go out next week, but I'm going to release it today or like tomorrow. Um, today when you're listening to it, but it's like the day before as I'm recording this. Um, and it's incredible. I love Stephanie. I really respect her. She's a fellow health coach. We do very similar work in this world. And I think that you guys are going to love her. And I think you're going to get so much value out of this podcast. So or this interview with her. Um, so yeah, without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Love Your Bod Pod. Today we have a really special guest with us. Her name is Stephanie Webb. I am a huge fan of hers. You've probably heard me talk about her. And so I am so excited to have her today. She is a holistic nutritionist and certified eating psychology coach who works with women to take the guilt and stress out of healthy living. Stephanie is the founder of Nutrition Redefined, an online nutrition and wellness coaching practice, and loves being able to run her own business while raising her three kids. Stephanie is the host of the Nutrition Redefined podcast and loves spreading her message that food can and should be fun. She has worked with hundreds of women in her online coaching practice and teaches live in-person workshops all over the country. She holds a bachelor's degree in English literature and a master's degree in holistic nutrition and is a certified personal trainer. Stephanie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here as well. So just to kind of break the ice, I love to start the podcast with something called awkward first date questions. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask you some fun questions that I have received in my awesome. years of dating and my prior guests have added a question as well. So at the end, I know you're married and you have kids, so it, you yeah. can just add any type of question that you want. Okay. Okay. So let's get started. Okay. Okay. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A writer. A writer. Hence studying English. Yes. And hence a huge career path change for me. Maybe I still will be a writer, just probably not of novels. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, what is your favorite quote? Oh gosh. I feel like that changes all the time. Okay. So um, right now, um, right now, something I say to myself all the time is I can do hard things. And I know that's like super cliche and it's all over Pinterest and whatever, <laughs> but I, it's important to me to like reaffirm that to myself. Cause sometimes I feel like, Oh no, this is too hard. I can't do it. So I tell myself that multiple times a day about lots of different things. <laughs> okay. You'll love it. It's true. You can. Yes. Um, so if you could have the answer to any question, what would you ask? Gosh, from anyone? Yep, any question. I've had some like great, I've had some, the questions to that have been all over the place. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I gotta think outside the box. I guess I would, I would want, okay, this is gonna relate to our conversation, but this is something I wonder a lot is like, why women ever bought into this idea that we have to be pretty and skinny? Like, when did that start? Who started it? Can we go back and make them undo it? <laughs> like that, I feel like, why is our culture so wired towards that? And 
And I guess looking forward, like, will we ever get over that? Like there's people like you and I who are kind of fighting for that, but I want to know, like, are we going to win? Like, <laughs> is it going to be normal in the future to just like not care so much about your weight and your body? Or is it always going to be an uphill battle? Mm. Yeah. I think that's a really powerful, potent question. And I imagine that there's, I mean, if you, have you read the beauty myth by Naomi Wolf? No, I just, was it you that posted about that the other day? And I put it on my list. So I haven't read it yet. I love the word. I love beauty sick, but I need to read the beauty myth. I yeah. I read beauty sick because you recommended it. So good. it was great. Um, yeah, I think Naomi Wolf has an answer. Um, oh, she, interesting. She okay. has a very powerful perspective. Um, I've talked about it several times on the podcast already, so I don't, I don't want to like dive into it too much, but she <laughs> has a very powerful opinion about why we're taught that beauty is so important for women. Mm. So. Okay. I'm going to read it. Then All I'll right. get the answer to my question. <laughs> yes. Are you a center brownie person or an edged brownie person? Center a hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's it. So now you get to add a question to the mix for our next guest. Oh man, like anything, anything. Yep. I'm trying to think of like dates I've been on. I've been married for like 13 years. So (laughs) Um, I guess something that I like to know, like with friends is like, where do you see yourself as an old person, you know, like we talk about retirement, but the close, I mean, I'm 34, so it's not like I'm close to that, but the closer I get to old age, I kind of like to imagine, like, I don't want to just sit in a rocking chair. Like, and we talk about what do you want to do when you grow up? But like, we're grown up now, but what do we want to do when we're in that like far off phase of like being 90 or something? I think that's an interesting thing to chat about. I love it. That's a great question. And I've never thought about that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not directly. That's a, I love it's it. An, it's me in my old age, you know? <laughs> yeah. Your old age of 34. <laughs> I'm getting close to 90 every day. Closer and closer. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, so let's just dive in. Um, so first non first date question. <laughs> Real question. Yes. So one of my favorite quotes is from Steve Jobs, and he says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down, and it has made all the difference in my life. So Stephanie, can you connect the dots for us? What led you to where you are now doing the incredible work you are doing helping women? Yeah, I think this is such a great quote and a great question. I do think we get so much perspective of seeing how life just worked out and kind of fell into place. Um, Like you mentioned, I majored in English Lit, and I never, ever was interested in science of any kind. Um, But looking back, I can kind of see how my relationship with food and body, even as a teenager, um, really kind of started this ball rolling that I didn't realize was rolling. Um, and so that kind of like my own struggles with body image. And then later after I had kids, my weight, um, food, dieting, all of those things kind of led me to becoming more interested in nutrition. Of course, I think a lot of us go down the rabbit hole of like nutrition when we're really just looking to lose weight, um, which is what it was for me honestly. And so then I decided, you know, I'm really into this. I would love to pursue this more. I really wanted to go back to school and I'd always planned to do like an MFA in creative writing. That was just like my default. Maybe someday I'll do it. Maybe that's my 90 year old plan. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but I, 
felt like I wanted to do something different. It was just like a wild hair. And I actually, speaking of dots lining up, I was at Barnes and Noble. My husband and I used to do that for date night all the time when our kids were really little because we couldn't, you know, leave them too long with a babysitter. So we would just go somewhere close and easy. So we'd go to Barnes and Noble and just browse. And I found this book by Megan Telpner called Undiet. And she, and her title was holistic nutritionist. And I had never heard of that. So I pick up the book and I'm flipping through it. And I feel like that book changed my life, like Mm. opened this whole new world to me of like, nutrition doesn't have to be about dieting. Um, anyway, so I Googled master's degree in holistic nutrition, like the next day and found this program and signed up. Like it was just, it was just meant to be. And I felt just so right about it. And, but never knew what I would do. You know, it was still kind of nutrition. It was still very much weight loss focused. And then I stumbled upon Mark David and in the Institute for the psychology of eating. And that was a whole other dot, I guess, like missing piece that kind of led me down this path. And once I found my healing, I could not help but help other people. Like I felt like it was just inevitable. I can't keep my mouth shut. And I think a lot of us find that about a lot of different things, like whatever it is. Like if you love to crochet, you want to teach people how to crochet. I think when we find something we're so passionate about, we're like, I have to talk about this. And that's what led to me doing this. It's just me wanting to talk about it. (laughs) And that's what I get to do for my job is talk about it all the time. So Yes. But yeah, it all, it all kind of fell into place. And looking back, I'm like, weird. I never thought I would end up here. I never thought I would work. I just thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom forever. Um, I had no plans to have a career, ever. Like, I just, I never did. And now I love it. Like, I feel like I found my, my dream life. And it was kind of accidental, but it was perfect. Yeah. Wow. I'm so surprised to hear you say that, that you just thought you'd be a stay-at-home mom. I know it's weird to say it out loud, but really like five years ago, if you had told me I'd be working, I'd be like, whatever, I'm nobody, I can't do anything. I had only ever done like, you know, administrative assistant jobs, like working at restaurants or department stores. Like I never thought I would, that I had much to offer. And I feel like getting a higher education really opened my mind of like, wait, I've got something to give. Like I can learn, I can share and I have a valuable opinion. So I don't know. I guess it was maybe like the feminist in me came out or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And now I, I hope my daughter, you know, I hope I raise her differently than I felt when I was little. Like go do something you're passionate about and you can still do that and have kids. Like I kind of thought it was one or the other. So yeah. now I get both. Yeah. I, you know, I just as someone who's 30 and hasn't had kids yet, I have it in my brain that like it would be really, really hard, if not impossible, to do both. Yes, so many people think that it's one or the other. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know how old your kids are, but um, my oldest is eleven. And actually, when I was going through my master's degree, I was homeschooling all three of them, and it was it was insane. Like I look back now, I'm like, how did I do that? But I did, and I'm so proud of it, and I'm glad that they saw me doing something hard, even as a mom, and that I wasn't. I don't know. You hear people with kids being like, oh, I don't have time for myself. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to pursue things. And that may be true for some people, but I think more often than not, it's an excuse. And so for me, again, I can do hard things. I was like, no, this matters to me and I'm going to make space in my life for it. And it's good for our kids to see us sacrifice. So it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think there's room for all the things that matter to us. 
Yeah. I love that. I think that's beautiful. So give us a little bit of a background on like your struggles with food. Can you kind of connect mm. those dots for us? Like tell us a little bit about your history with dieting and body image and trying to lose yes. weight. And- yes. So I feel like I was a normal teenager um as far as self-consciousness goes like i remember around age 12 just feeling like everyone is looking at me all the time like i thought i was the center of everyone's world and now that my daughter's that age i'm like really no one cares but i remember my mom saying no one cares and i'm like you don't get it mom (laughs) everyone is looking at me so that was when i feel like self-consciousness kind of emerged for me of thinking that how i looked really mattered um and again you know getting compliments of like, Oh, you're so pretty. That made me feel more pressure to, to be pretty or to fit that mold. Um, not that I like think I'm so pretty, but just as a girl, I think those comments that people give you really stick. Um, and then in college, I feel like my first semester, I roomed with someone who was very appearance focused. It was my first time living away from my parents and my family. And so I kind of started to realize like, oh, people live differently than I do. They wear a lot more makeup. They spend a lot more time on their hair. They're in the mirror a lot more. So I kind of started doing that and getting really focused on my body. And of course, you know, I'm going through school. Life is normal. I'm dating, having fun, whatever. But it just kind of became more and more of an issue. I got married and we had our first baby right away. Um, And after she was born was when I realized like, oh, this is why people diet. I had never done a diet before. I had been worried about my body. I had never restricted food. I had never been taught to do that, to count calories. I had no idea what any of that was. I more just had the body image struggles of like, oh no, I hope people like me and don't think I'm ugly. But I'd never gone down the food path until after I had a baby. And it was like, lose the baby weight, you know, get your body back. And that was when I tried um, my first diet, which was South Beach diet. I went to my aunt's house for vacation and she had it on her bookshelf. And I sat down and I read the whole thing front to back and um, was just like, this is awesome. Like this book is promising me that I can like have this perfect body. (laughs) And so we did South Beach like two or three times, you know, never made it past whatever, a couple weeks in. Um, and that's what kind of started it for me. It was, it was having kids and I was, I was a big blogger back then, not big, like I was famous, but I spent a lot of time on it. And looking back at some of my old posts, I would talk about food and like, oh, I'm addicted to sugar and I'm going to do this diet and I'm going to try to lose 12 pounds in, you know, a week or two. And then I'll go back to normal. Like I just had such a dysfunctional view which I think is normal. Like now doing what I do and I hear people say that I'm like, Oh honey. (laughs) Yeah. Same. (laughs) But at the time I was just so tunnel vision into that and then studying nutrition. And I I really thought I'm going to find the perfect diet. If I can just find the perfect way to eat. And for a while I thought that was being vegan. Like I did, I did all the things, Weight Watchers, um, whole 30. Well, it was like a whole five, I guess. (laughs) Um, never made it very far. I did like partial keto, trying to think of what other ones I've done. Um, just always different cleanses, juice cleanses, an Ayurvedic thing cleanse that lasted like a day or two. (laughs) Um, just lots of different things that I felt like if I could just find that missing piece. And then when I, when I heard Mark David in, um, I think it was, maybe it was even before I enrolled to become certified as a coach. 
he said, like, it's not about the food. And I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's all it's about is the food. But really going through that um, certification training, he changed the name now to mind body eating coach, I think. Um, but eating psychology, I felt like was just, oh, it was like the heavens opened and I had this whole new perspective on food. And, and he would say, you know, it's partly what we eat, but it's mostly who we are as eaters. And this whole other piece of who I am and what I'm bringing to the table that that matters. And so, yeah, it just was a huge shift for me. So it sounds like you were actually able to see that maybe dieting wasn't the holy grail and that mm. it wasn't the answer to your problems with food or your problems with body image. Totally. And that what you discovered from Mark David made a lot more sense. And it sounds like you've had way more success. And I'm using air quotes oh, for yeah. those listening. Can you like, what exactly shifted? Like, okay, it's no longer dieting. Yes. And really, this is going to sound funny to say, but it wasn't even any longer nutrition. Like for me, nutrition had been like the king. Yeah. And, and after that, it was like, okay, if I can just chill out and trust my body and quit being so obsessively controlling, like I was one who, and, and I don't want to fault people or make this sound bad, but for me, it just, it just didn't work. Um, reading labels all the time and making sure every ingredient was completely clean. But then also on the flip side, like binging on Oreos or like total, like <clears throat> not clean food, <laughs> clean in air quotes again. Um, but I feel like it was really just letting go of this idea that nutrition would save me or that food would save me. And really just not thinking about food as much, not thinking about nutrition as much. And I, and I think nutrition is like a valid pursuit, like as part of being healthy, but I think so often it takes way more space in our life than it deserves. And I think there is absolutely a way to nourish ourselves and get the nutrition our bodies need without thinking about it all the time or without being obsessed with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it can be no big deal. Totally. And it doesn't need to be micromanaged. Exactly. And I think that was a huge shift for me. Like, of course it has to be micromanaged. I have to know every bite that's going in my mouth and get the exact, you know, macronutrient, micronutrient profile that I need and all these supplements and just looking for that perfect way of living. But I feel like now my approach to food is so chill. And yet overall, I feel like I'm getting a lot more nutrition than I used to when I was obsessed with it, which sounds so stupid, but I just like, yeah, I eat vegetables. It's not a big deal. I eat whatever I want. It's not a big deal. And I usually gravitate towards things that make me feel good. Not all yep. the time, but usually because it's just not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's definitely an argument to be made for our mental framework when we're approaching food and when we're really stressed out about what we're eating, our body doesn't have the ability to absorb those nutrients totally. from our food anyways. And we end up contributing to IBS and di digestive unease because we're so stressed yeah. out or in that flight or fight response. So even if you're eating a really nutritious bowl of food, if you're really stressed out, you're not going to absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was a, that was another paradigm shift for me that like my thoughts and emotions were actually affecting my physiology. Like I had never, ever thought that before. Like it was like, well, if you eat the salad, then you win. <laughs> but if you, if you were like I was and just freaking out all the time and measuring and weighing and counting and stressing, like, gall, that was ridiculous. That was a terrible way to live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So 
um, let's shift gears a little bit. One common criticism I hear from a lot of people in the anti-diet and the recovery space is that wellness culture is the new diet culture. What do you say to that? So I think in a lot of ways, unfortunately, it's true. Um, because I feel like what's happened is that, you know, now diet has become a bad word and everyone is afraid to say that they diet because yeah. now it's like, oh, dieting is bad. <laughs> I mean, it is bad, <laughs> but, but people are still doing it. Yes. It's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. People are like, oh, I'm doing this to get healthy when really they're like, please let me lose 30 pounds. And that's all they really care about. And like health is equated with weight loss. And I feel like the wellness space has been monopolized. And even to some extent, the non-diet culture and like the intuitive eating culture has been taken over by people who are still selling diets. They might be using different phrasing. They might be saying, it's a lifestyle. Like Weight Watchers. Yes, absolutely. Like, no, I'm sorry. It's a diet. Like yeah, it it's is a diet. a diet. Yeah. If you have to count your food, you're dieting. You're dieting. And there's a lot of, I think, red flags that I didn't realize before, but now the more I've seen how insidious diet culture can be, even cloaked as wellness culture. And I feel like another, another thing is that a lot of people feel guilted into wellness. Like if you're not working out or you're not eating clean, you're a bad person. And I think mm. that is so wrong. I think there's so much in wellness culture that's wrapped up with privilege and money <laughs> and lots of different issues that kind of muddy the waters. But really, I, I think the main thing is that dieting or pursuing wellness or whatever, you have to be really careful that you're not being exclusive or superior or I don't know what, what the word is, but that you're really pursuing it for the right reasons in a spirit of like, stay in your own lane. And, and I say this as someone who's running an online business, like <laughs> stay in my lane as far as I don't have to worry about, I don't know, maybe this is going off on a little bit too much of a tangent. But anyway, going back to the whole diet culture thing, I think it's pretty insidious and a lot of people don't even recognize where it's showing up in wellness culture, but I think we need to be watching for that. Mm -hmm. So it's kind, of, it's kind of sneaky. Totally. Yeah. Um, so since disordered eating is, has become so normalized in our culture, sometimes women don't realize that they have an unhealthy relationship with food. And so this could kind of tie into where I think there are a lot of great things about wellness culture. I do think that mm -hmm. there are some good things about it. And yeah. I also think that it's insidious because it normalizes disordered eating with going on juice cleanse or fearing different types of ingredients or nutrients in foods, right? So like yes. fearing gluten. Um, Absolutely. So it can be taken to an extreme where it is actually causing harm. So what are some of the key signs that would be indicative of having some type of disordered eating? So I feel like one red flag is a sense of having to control. And this, you can just, everyone can like, you know, analyze their own, their own selves. Cause you can't really look at someone and know, well, you can, I guess. <laughs> But for a lot of us, that's almost like praise, like, oh, you're so, you have so much self-control and we think that's a good thing. But I think noticing like, where is my need to control around food 
actually harming me or harming my life. I think a lot of people, like for instance, in a social situation, if, if your food decisions are dominating your life and your relationships and your, you know, social experiences, all those things are taking a back seat. Like if you're like, oh, I can't go to that restaurant with you because it doesn't have my food. That would be a big red flag to me um, that you are that you have a disordered relationship with food. If food is like your number one priority, either way, like this could be eating super clean or it could be people who are like, oh, I want to stay home and binge. Like I think we have a lot of, of funny ways that we control. So I think it's just being really honest with yourself and it is, it's hard to see. And I think it takes a lot of practice. It's hard to face up to these things about ourselves that are kind of yucky and uncomfortable. I know it was for me, even with like, oh, I'm so good. I'm a nutritionist. <laughs> Everyone look at me. That was, that was one of my things of using that as kind of a, I don't know, maybe a barrier or a way to put myself on a pedestal of like, oh, I know all these things about nutrition. So just noticing where I need to control around food is showing up in our lives. And if that's okay for us. I think it's okay to have, of course, I don't think we should lose control. Like I think some element of having self-control is a good thing, but not being controlling, not trying to over-control or micromanage everything mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. our food. Mm -hmm. Or just feeling controlled by it. I think a lot of us oh, yeah. feel like it runs our lives. And I, yes. I do think that the more in control you try to be, the more out of control you're eventually probably going to feel, right? Like totally. you're going to be on that pendulum swing. Totally. And I think, um, you know, food, you say this, I think on your podcast, like food should just be food. Like food is important. Totally. It plays a role in our lives. It's life sustaining. It's a part yeah. of community and um, cultural celebration and like birthday cakes yes. represent something really powerful. And food really doesn't need to be something that you're focusing on. So if it's something that's taking a disproportionate amount of your time, if you're thinking about it between mealtimes, right before, like when you wake up, right before you go to bed, like if you're yes. constantly worried about what to eat or how much to eat, it's probably a sign that there's a level of disorder eating. Happening. Absolutely. Like if you, if, and, and I'll ask clients, this are in our group coaching program. This is a big thing we talk about. Like how much are you thinking about food in your body? How like percentage wise or minutes or hours or months? <laughs> and uh, many people, when you, when they hear that question, they're like, Oh, I don't know. But if you think about it, I mean, a common answer is like all the time. Like it's yeah. constantly in the back of my mind. I'm always wondering what I look like. Um, so it's not just food either. I think it's how it's our appearance. It's how food relates to our weight, like all of those things. Um, if that's taking up more than, I don't know, 10% of your brain space, you need to do some reevaluating <laughs> of like, it. what were you put on earth to do? It's probably not just to be skinny and, and look good. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that like, if you're having a, some type of obsessive relationship with food or trying to control your eating, would you say that almost by default, you likely also have body image issues? Mm -hmm. Yep. In my experience, it's a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. You can't really and have one without the other. Body image issues lead to the food issues. I think that's always at the root of the, of the problem is body image issues, which that's at the root of like our, I don't know, our, our love for ourselves, our relationship with ourselves. I feel like that is, it's huge. And that's why I think the eating psychology piece, like it's not about the food. It is, that's how it's playing itself out, but it's not really about that. And so when we can go deeper and address that and have a picture of like, what, 
what we want. Like what, how much time do we want to spend on food? What is normal for us and stepping back and, you know, working with clients who have, you know, disordered eating. That's a big part of it is seeing like, what is normal? We get so like locked up in what we're doing that when we, I think sometimes it's good to be around people that have a really healthy relationship with food in their body. And unfortunately it's, you know, pretty few and far between. (laughs) It's not easy to find someone like that, but being around someone like that, going to dinner with them and seeing like, how do they eat? It's good to have like a a baseline of what's normal and this is what I want to go for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that that's pretty powerful of what you just said, that like, it's kind of almost hard to find someone with a normal relationship with food. Like that's, that's, that's really poignant. I think that's the word I want to use to just be like, like that's the extent that diet culture has yes. infiltrated the lives of Americans and yes. I'm sure anyone in the Western world. Totally. And I think it's tragic. I mean, I've had this experience several times, even in the last like month or two, I'll go on a date with my husband. We go to lunch and there's always a table of women near us. And if you just, you just listen and overhear, we are 100% of the time talking about what we're not eating, what program we're on, how we're trying to lose weight, what we're doing. What are you doing now? (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just think it has taken over completely. And, and the sad thing is that we don't even realize it. It's like, we're just like blind. We were walking around like, yay, my body. Like we're so focused on ourselves and that's all we talk about with each other. And that's all we read about. And that's the Instagram accounts that we follow. And that's our social media circles. And ugh, like, I want to vomit even thinking about it. And once you start to shift your perspective, you're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm sure your clients say that. My clients always say that. They were like, now that you've started pointing it out to me, I am like, it's oh everywhere. my gosh. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Like once you, it's like you're a fish swimming in water and you don't know you're swimming in water because totally. that's all you know. But then yes. once you're taken out of water and you're living you're in like, air and you go back in the water and you're like, wow, this place everywhere. is crazy. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I know that we're laughing because we're on the other side of it. Totally. Um, And it is, I mean, I think there's something laughable about like, oh my gosh, you guys, like open your eyes, you know, and, and not to be rude or anything, but I think, gosh, if we could just step back and be like, there's more than this. There's so much more out there than this, but we have been so duped into thinking that this is the end all be all. This is what success looks like that we don't even see anything else. And so I think that's why what we're doing is so important and not that I'm important or you're important, but like this message matters so, so much. And we have got to be talking about this instead. So I think that's an important like takeaway for people that are listening. You hear body talk or diet talk, speak up and be like, guys, let's talk about something else. Like let's not be crazy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like just like you said, there is a lot more going on in the world and our pursuit of like thinness and perfect health is totally distracting us and probably in opposition to real health, like potentially causing harm. Totally. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So on the road to healing your relationship with food and learning to accept your body, what are some of the key things that really made a difference for you? So I feel like one of the biggest things for me, and no one wants to hear this, um, like in our group coaching program, they're like, but how do I do this? Um, was letting go of weight loss. I felt like that was what took me the longest. But once I hit that point, it was literally like this shift. It was 
I don't want to say it was overnight because it was leading up to, you know, it, it was in process for a long time. Honestly, that's what happened for me when I read the book Beauty Sick. So I had already, I'll be fully like transparent here. I had already been practicing as a coach. I had already been in this, but there was still a part of my mind that was like, oh, but Stephanie, if you could just be skinny, everyone would take you so much more seriously and you'd be so much more you know, professionally successful. So it wasn't until probably a year ago that I read this book and it was like, it flipped. It just, that was exactly how I needed to hear what I needed to hear and I was done. Like I, I no more have gone down that path. But I feel like <laughs> that was what, like a three year process for me of really letting go of it. So when people, you know, how do I let go of weight loss? I don't know. You just got to keep trying. You have to keep hearing these things over and over. So that was a huge one was letting go of weight loss and really focusing more on how I felt over how I looked. And that sounds again, very cliche and like, yes, focus. But really, like really, if you look at your goals and where you're spending your mental bandwidth if it's taken up too much by what you look like you need to spend some time there and do some real real work there and then also i think coming to trust my body because i think and we've used the word micromanage a couple of times i think that's what diet culture does is teach us that we have to step in and micromanage and so a big piece for me was stepping out of that and like staying in my own lane letting my body do its thing and being like it's okay if I gain 50 pounds, it's okay. I don't have to worry about it. It's not the end of the world. I didn't gain 50 pounds, but if I had, I, I trust that I would have been okay with it. And even still with, you know, weight fluctuations and health problems for me not to be like, oh, I have to fix everything right now. What do I need to do? I need to be Googling the right supplement and doing the right diet. Like now I'm just like, my job is to chill out. Like number one, always I tell myself, chill out. That should have been my favorite quote. I need to like tattoo it on my forehead. Like literally, I think that's our main job is just like calm the heck down (laughs) and quit freaking out about our bodies. So I don't know. Those aren't like easy answers. They're not something that people can just like, okay, now I'm going to go chill out. It's, It's like such an ongoing thing and it's a constant process of remembering in the midst of what we're living in, you know, social media as it is and everything. But I think those like, trusting my body and letting go of weight loss were two of the biggest things for me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you just keeping it real as opposed to being like, here's these easy tips. You just add like leafy (laughs) greens and blah, 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 you know, like take my vitamin that I'm selling and you'll be fine and you'll be fine. No, I think that it's really important that you're honest with the fact that like, this isn't easy. Yeah. You're swimming upstream. And I promise you that swimming upstream, the more you swim upstream, the stronger you'll get. Absolutely. Eventually you'll just be floating happy. Yeah. And it gets easier. It It does. I feel like it's always going to be an ongoing process. I don't think we can ever check the box, but I look at the effort that I put in now towards like keeping my body image good, kind of make protecting my environment. Um, that is so minimal compared to what I had to put in at the beginning to really do the work of like reversing all the crap I had drowned myself in for, mm-hmm. for 20 years or whatever. And, and I think it's hard for people to hear that. We want an easy answer. We want someone to say like, just do these five steps. <laughs> and it's unfortunately, it's not that. And that's why I think you and I professionally will always have an uphill battle as well, because people don't want to be sold something hard. They want to, they want to hear 
this is, this is how easy it is. And this is how easy it was for me. This is the one thing. It's not one thing. It's many things. And it's day after day after day. It's those little in the moment decisions of like, do I want to lose it? Or do I want to practice self-care? Like always being mindful of what you really want of the big picture and not spiraling off into like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going to lose 15 pounds. And then I'll, and then I'll do whatever. Really keeping that big picture in mind is so hard. It's constant, constant, never ending work until it's not work anymore as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's like, I think that it's in the moment, it's a moment thing. You have to choose recovery or choose healing your relationship yeah. with food over continuing to pursue weight loss because yes. you can't pursue. I really, truly believe you cannot pursue both. If you want to heal your relationship with food, you have to give up the goal of weight loss. Yes because they're in opposition to one another. And, yeah. And as much as people want to say like, Oh, I want to lose weight to get healthy. I'm like, I call BS. Like, I call I'm sorry. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I am like BS too. I'm like, whatever body positive weight loss. What the oh, don't even get started. We could do a whole five hour episode on anyway. <laughs> um, I'm like, you're, I, I like, I want to say it with compassion, but you're not being honest with yourself. If you totally. think that weight loss is part of healing your relationship with food, or that it's going to save you from the crap that you're going through. Like, Oh, I'll love myself when no, if you can't love yourself now, you never can. Like we have to practice that constantly, no matter what. Mm. Why do you think giving up weight loss for people is so challenging? Why do you think letting go of it is so hard? Because I think we've been taught that that is what matters most. And so for us to say, like, give it up, people are like, well, then what do, like, who am I? What do I do with myself? (laughs) And it is, I think, challenging. Like, it's this whole, it frees up a lot of space for you to be like, yeah, who am I? What's important to me? What do I value? What matters? How do I want to spend my time? Because that's all we've been doing for so long. So I think it's scary. It's like jumping off of a cliff or something. Like what's going to be there? I have no idea what's on the other side of, of weight loss. And honestly, it's sad to me that most people are not willing to do that. Most people are like, don't even know how. And, and I guess that's what our job is, is to, to walk them through the how. But it's such a paradigm shift of what a successful, happy life looks like. And for us to give up on that quote unquote feels like quitting for some people. But I think we have to remember that it's not quitting. It's opting out of something and stepping into this whole other like hidden, beautiful world that you didn't even know was there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they, that were, like you said, we're sold this lie that like weight loss is going to bring you this incredible life. It's going to solve all of your problems. Yeah. And we're like, well, I want those things. And so, you know, we have to opt out of it and understand that we can cultivate a really awesome life that we love and trying to lose weight doesn't have to be a part of it. Totally. Which, and and it's awesome. Like, it's so awesome to not have to worry about that, to not be like, Oh no, I'm going to go on vacation. What are people going to think to, to not have that be the running script in our, in your brain anymore. Sometimes it'll catch me off guard and I'll be like, it's so awesome being me and not having to worry about this anymore. Like, I'm so grateful. I don't have to think about it. So I think there are those moments of just like, wow, this is freedom. Like, this is what this feels like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So recently, um, so you have this online coaching program called Eat Happy Collective. Which you is the name actually. It's Eat Confident Collective. Now. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Eat Confident Collective. 
you always have fun names of your things. Like I loved your healthy, happy mom summit. Oh, thanks. Um, so you and your business partner, Emily Fonsbeck, who is a registered dietitian. Recently, you guys have talked a lot about how our weight is not the best indicator of health. Yes. So what have we gotten mixed up with health and weight and the pursuit of shrinking our bodies in the name of health? Yeah, I think this, we have medicalized weight to such a huge extent that people just kind of accept it as like truth. Like we've declared the war on obesity, the war on fatness and doctors are on board and nutritionists and dietitians and all these experts and professionals are like, yes, that is bad. That is killing us. And so there's that whole dynamic, which I think is incredibly harmful, <laughs> incredibly dysfunctional. And to see the results of that after however long that's been going on, like, wow, it's messed up. Um, but because we've medicalized weight to such an extent, and I think that again is a whole other, like in this uh, masterclass we taught, um, Emily, like you said, is a registered dietitian. She's amazing. I love her and I'm so grateful to work with her. She talked about BMI and how, and this is a thing that people be like, well, if I could just get out of the overweight category, then I would be healthy. And she talked in the class about how actually like how BMI came to be. It's yeah. just a crapshoot. Um, Total. <laughs> it's like unreal that we have used this for so long. Um, but how statistically people in the overweight category, overweight again, air quotes, are healthier. That's yeah. the healthiest demographic of people. <clears throat> and, but no one wants to be told that. Like you go to the doctor and they're like, you should probably lose a few pounds. See you next time. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no nah, anything. So I think that's the problem with so many people's mindset is that it's so reinforced by science quote unquote science and like the medical community and, and, and well-intentioned people who were like, I want to help people get healthy. Therefore I need to help them get thin. When, if we could step back and focus, and, and I would recommend everyone read the book health at every size, but if we could step back and focus on health producing behaviors, instead of focusing on the outcome of weight loss, like what it's, it's a huge shift, but it's basically I mean, if you think about the things you do to lose weight, hopefully, if it's a sustainable approach, it's the same thing that you would be doing if you were focusing on health, right? Like you would be eating well, you'd be moving your body, you'd be whatever, sleeping, managing your stress, all those things. But instead of doing it for weight loss, and then when you don't lose the weight, you quit the behaviors, instead, just focus on keeping those behaviors up, regardless of whether you lose weight. And that's what will lead to the healthy outcome of you having a healthy body, whether you lose a pound or not, or yeah. 20 pounds or not, like that does not matter. And if, and people, you know, it's hard to hear that it doesn't matter, but truly like this is, this is true science. Like there is research to prove this. And most people who lose date, who lose weight on weight loss diets, like 95% of people gain it back within five years. There's no, there's absolutely no long-term research to show that weight loss for the pursuit of weight loss works and that makes people healthier. So I think it's really, we have just got to change the way we think about our behaviors and focus on health producing behaviors instead of just focusing on weight loss. Yeah. Cause when we have a focus on weight loss, what happens is we end up going to extremes that harm our health to pursue totally. weight loss. 
Yes. When weight loss is the sole focus. Anything that it takes. Because if the doctor says, well, you have to lose 20 pounds to get healthier, you have to lose 20 pounds for your heart or whatever, then what are we going to do? We're going to do something like crazy, like keto or something that we're absolutely never going to stay on. Or this crazy one I've heard a lot of people do this HCG diet where they get like these hormone injections. Oh my gosh. And I I have family members who (laughs) have lost 50, 60, 80 pounds and gained it all back within a year. Like the damage that that does to our body. So yeah, if you're pursuing weight loss, over anything else, you're going to do stuff that's really not good for your health. But if you're focusing truly on your health and letting your weight just be what it is and let it stabilize at your own healthy, normal set point, you'll be good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's um, a really powerful thing to understand that when we simply look at weight loss in a silo, we're kind of missing the point. Yeah. Uh, it's so much more about your stress, your sleep. Are you moving your body regularly and not to an extreme measure? Are you yes. eating enough food? Yes, you know? absolutely. Like we need more food than we think. <laughs> no one can survive on 1200 calories a day. Let's just put that out. There. No, that's like literally you're putting your body in a starvation mode. Like you're chronically yes. underfeeding yourself and your yes. body's going to c- see that as a famine. Looking and at it will it. hold on to weight at all costs. And I guarantee you, if you go head to head with your body, your body is always going to win because it's got lots of biological mechanisms backing it up that you cannot override, try as you might. So it's like, why do we even fight? Let's just like step back and be like, okay, cool. My body's got my back and I'll worry about what I can worry about and let the rest go. Yeah. Yeah. The institutionalized fat phobia and the pathologizing mm-hmm. of weight loss has caused a lot of problems. Yes for the average human being. Yeah. It's sad. But I think, like you said, like, I think the more we can talk about this and normalize it, hopefully this will eventually be just as accepted as, as the other way was like, maybe our great granddaughters won't ever diet. And they, they'll be like, that was weird that our great grandmas did that. Like that was weird. Yeah. That was a weird blip in history. Let's hope that's how it happens. <laughs> yes. Yes. Agreed. Okay. So what are a couple of tips for someone who is just starting to realize that they're actually struggling with food and body image? Mm. Oh, so many. <laughs> um, I would, I guess, first of all, look at, I don't want to say first of all, I don't want to put them in order of like priority, but I think looking at your hunger and fullness signals, like starting to pay closer attention to your body and how it's speaking to you. Um, appetite is not something we have to be afraid of. Hunger is not virtuous. You don't have to be hungry to be good. You don't need to skip meals. So I think just practicing eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full, eating regularly and adequately is really important. Um, and noticing, I guess the second thing would be noticing your food rules and maybe even writing down, like, what are the rules that you think are true? Like no eating after 7 PM or no carbs at breakfast or no fruit, like all all these different rules we have food combining and intermittent fasting and all these things. Um, Carbs are bad. Pasta makes me fat. Write down all your rules and, and look at it and just be like, recognize the craziness, like recognize that you don't need these to live and let those go. Like trust your body. Whenever you hear your brain throwing up a food rule, just be like, Oh wait, that's a food rule. I don't follow food rules. So I'm going to trust my body. And again, that goes back to the hunger fullness thing. And then I think, um, a huge piece of it is having compassion for yourself. I think when you recognize 
how deeply you are entrenched in diet culture, which if you do the self-reflection you need to do, you will realize that all of us do. We have to come up against that. But like, it's not something to feel ashamed over or guilty about. Like, this is what you've been taught and now you're going to unlearn it and it's going to be okay. And it's going to take time and you have all the time you need to learn everything you need to learn, but being really patient with ourselves. I think when we get into trouble, even once we have this mindset shift is we freak out about like, Oh, I'm not doing it right. I'm not being a good intuitive eater or like, Oh no, we just, we worry so much. So I always, I'm just like, just lighten up, you know, just chill out, lean back, relax. And that does a world of good more than anything you do or don't put in your mouth. I think that's like the biggest thing is just be compassionate with yourself and, and allow it to be a process. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Those are great tips. Okay. Last question. What advice for, do you have any advice for your 20 year old self? Mm. Yes. I'm trying to think of myself at 20. (laughs) Oh, poor self. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. I say the same thing. I'm like, Oh girl. If only I think I would tell myself to focus more on living my life, not on looking a certain way. And, and I think to spend more time being in my body than looking at it from the outside. Like we all have that mirror in our minds that we carry around. I think when I was 20, I was spending a crap load of time with that internal mirror. And so I wish I could just like shatter the mirror, <laughs> cover it up, like quit thinking about how are other people looking at me? I need to suck in. I need to stand up straight. I need to make sure my clothes are straight and I look good in my hair and my skin, blah, 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 like the never ending list. Instead, I wish I had learned how to just like be in my body, like be myself, feel what it felt like to be me. I think that goes a long way towards feeling really empowering and towards developing a sense of confidence in who we are, regardless of what we look like. So I don't know, I'd say a lot of things, but I think that would be the biggest thing. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that's really powerful. So if you're 20 now, or if you're 40 and you're still dealing with this, totally never too late. It's never too late. And just focus being in your body as opposed to just constantly worrying about the way that it looks. And that's hard. So hard. But but I would reflect on that. Like just anyone who's listening and you feel like you're spending an inordinate amount of time worrying about the way that you look. Which you probably are and it's okay. (laughs) Yes. Yes. To actually be like, what would it be like for me to just be in my body as opposed to worrying about the way that it looks? I think that that's a powerful reflection. Yeah. Huge. Um, Stephanie, Thank you for being here. Yes. It's been so fun. Yes. You are a wealth of knowledge. You're totally (laughs) funny. Um, And it was an honor to speak with you. Thank you. Can you let everyone know where to find you? Can you tell them a little bit about your coaching program and all that stuff? Yes. So I'm on Instagram at nutrition.redefined. I love Instagram. I guess I'm on Facebook, but like I don't use Facebook, so just do Instagram. Um, I have a website, nutritionredefined.co. Um, my funnest thing, I guess, is funnest a word as an English major. Um, my my favorite thing is my podcast. Um, that's also called Nutrition Redefined. You can find it on iTunes or any any podcast app. It's also on my website. Um, so our coaching program is called Eat Confident Collective, and the doors are closed right now. Um, we are only open for a couple days, a quarter. Um, so if you want to get in, get in. It's really fun. So like you mentioned, I have Emily Fonsbeck in there. As of August, we partnered with that and it's 
seriously the most amazing thing ever. Um, our goal is really to make it like the premier online group coaching program for women who are tired of battling with their body and feeling food guilt and body shame and are really ready to do something differently. So inside the, the collective, we have a monthly topic where we talk about, um, Oh, all sorts of different things. This month we're talking about body image, speaking of body image, and it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we'll be covering like goal setting in January. We have different holiday topics set up. We've done, you know, shifting your mindset, all sorts of different things. And then we do weekly coaching calls. We have a Facebook group. It's just a really great supportive group. Um, and there, all the information for that is on my website. But every time we open the doors, we do a free online class. So like you mentioned last time we taught about, um, why your weight isn't the problem and body or let's see BMI and all those things. This next time we'll be talking about food guilt. It's going to be a really, really good class for the holidays because food guilt is rampant during the holidays. Yes, <laughs> it is. So um, all that information will be on my Instagram and on my website, but yeah, it'll be a great class. Even if you're not interested in joining the collective, I'd suggest coming to the class because it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I have tuned into several of Stephanie's classes and they're fantastic. Um, she describes everything really well and in a way that anyone can understand them. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully that's the goal. I try never to be like, I'm better than you because <laughs> I'm not, but I think the classes are a fun way to just like go in depth on a topic and answer people's questions live and in person. And it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. So be sure to go check out Stephanie. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. All right. That's our show. How awesome was that? Isn't Stephanie great? She is so relatable and so down to earth and so funny. Um, I hope you guys got a lot out of that. If you are interested in listening to her podcast, Nutrition Redefined, I was interviewed as a guest. It was episode 41 titled Free Up Your Brain from Food and Body Obsession. So feel free to go check that out. I would love for you to check it out. Um, we kind of reverse rules, reverse roles. So she's interviewing me instead of me interviewing her. And it's a great, uh, a great episode. So be sure to check that out. If you liked today's episode, if you thought it was helpful, I would love it if you would leave a ratings and review on iTunes or to share about it on Instagram uh, in your stories or to send me a DM if you liked what you heard. Uh, I don't know if I've shared with you before, but uh, it's really awesome to hear your guys's feedback it makes me really happy it also you know kind of helps keep me inspired and, and excited and motivated to want to keep putting stuff out there and creating this content and sharing my heart and soul with you so if you like what you have heard um let me know reach out to me send me a dm share it on stories leave a review on itunes i would be so grateful from like every fiber of my being would be really grateful. I, I love hearing from you guys. Uh, if you have questions, you can always ask those to me as well. Or if you have questions that you'd love for me to answer on the podcast, uh, send me them as well. You can email me info at kitchen.net or um, you can hit the email button in my profile in Instagram or send me a DM. There's so many ways to reach out to me. I'm here for you. I want to, I want to talk to you. I want to help you. I want to be a part of your journey. Um, okay. That's it. Um, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you all next week.